As we start our new series this term in the Gospel of John, I'll be starting to read from John's Gospel, chapter 1. That's the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and you will find that on page 1063, the first 14 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. He was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Thanks for the reading. Um, so we are just starting a new sermon series and we are going to be looking at John's Gospel. So uh, this is... John, one of the apostles, uh, writes his, his um, views and his thoughts on, on Jesus. Um, and, and it's a really interesting gospel because what, what gospel means good news. So he's sharing good news about what Jesus did. And he's writing uh, probably 40 years after, after Jesus died. So there's been a bit of water under the bridge. A lot of things have happened. They've been persecuted. They've been been able to reflect after three years of like uh, lots of living with Jesus and him dying and, and coming back to life. Um, so it's, it's, it's like a more mature, not the sort of teenage apostle, he's now sort of more mature, he's, he's kind of reflected uh, and he, he writes and his intention in writing this book is not to just tell a story, it's not just to say, look, this is a biography of Jesus who, who kind of lived some time ago. His intention is very clear, and he, he says at the end of the, of the book, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So his purpose is basically for us to discover who Jesus actually is, not just to tell a few stories about who, what he did, but for us to be able to discover who he is. And therefore, he uses a lot this image of light and darkness, being able to see and not see, um, 
And that's the way he, he kind of brings it all about. And that's what we'll see in this first chapter. But basically, this first chapter is very poetic. It's beautifully written. It's very profound. And it's, it's nearly a, a glimpse of what's coming. It says, okay, this is who Jesus is. And then we'll look at his story a bit. And then we'll especially look at his last week. What did Jesus do in his last week. Um, so this uh, gospel is very different to uh, all the other gospels and starts in a different way um, and um, we'll have a look at it together. But I was looking, um, I got suddenly interested in TED Talks again um, because uh, I booked, bought a book called uh, Talk Like TED. So I was looking at sort of how do people do TED Talks and how do they prepare. Does everyone know what a TED Talk is? Yes. Um, and uh, so I was looking at that, and, and in the book, it makes reference to this talk. It says the history of, history of the world in 18 minutes. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have a look at that. How can we go through? And it's really interesting um, how this uh, scientist who, actually, I think he, he's English, um, and he goes through... Uh, the whole history of of the the universe in 18 minutes. So he starts with um, with a big bang. He says this happened 14 billion years ago, and then five billion years ago the Earth was created. And he starts talking about how, like from atoms, it all starts getting more and more complex, and sort of things start building up. Um, and then uh, five billion years ago, the the Earth and the and the solar system are created four billion years ago. Uh, life starts sort of emerging, uh, very basic in, in, humanity, in, in the world. And more or less 200,000 years ago, the first sort of humans appear. Um, and then he, he, he kind of goes very quickly through a, a bit of history. Um, and I found it really interesting, like this looking at history as a whole and this version of how history is created and how the world was created. And... Um, I don't know enough about science to know if that's exactly how it was created, if it was more or less time. I don't really care, but, but it, it's a really nice one, one view of how the world was created. And now in, in the Bible, um, we find, especially in, in John, uh, a different version of how the world was created. Not, not competing, not sort of saying it's one or the other, but actually it's a different story. It's a different narrative because this, this really good, interesting talk it's great, but it doesn't say answer the big question of why and how. Like it says how there's sort of some kind of energy at the beginning, but it doesn't really kind of explain what what that energy was and how it started, and and it doesn't really explain why it, we were created. Whilst uh, what we look at in John is um, is the why uh, why we were created and and how did it all sort of start off. So let's have a look at what we just read. Um, and this is my sort of geeky side, is that um, this, this word you see in the beginning was a word. This, this word is a Greek word called logos, and you're thinking, like, I'm now going to switch off and not listen to anything else this guy has to say. But, uh, but just because it it's, was like the biggest, one of the biggest debates in the Bible is what does this word mean in this context? And it's because there's two very different interpretations of that word, and that's why they translated it as word. So the word logos means word, action, verb. So it's kind of the verb. It's something putting action. It's an idea put in, into action. That's sort of one one of the, the, the meanings of word, of, of logos. But then, like the philosophers at the time used the word logos as this kind of first idea. You know, the, the philosophers thought that 
ideas came from ideas, and they said there was this, the Logos is this one first idea from which everything was built up. So it was this initial idea, and then everything was built from that idea. And when, when theologians debate about what did John mean, was it that uh, the word, which is in, in the context it's Jesus, is, is it that Jesus is the action of God, the idea made kind of flesh? Is that what he's trying to bring? Or is he actually saying that Jesus is the beginning from which everything started? He's like the initial thing that made everything happen afterwards. And I don't know which is, which is kind of what John is actually saying. And uh, I I'm, I'm don't know enough to have a, a kind of proper answer. But I think both are beautiful, aren't they? This idea that Jesus is God made manifest. Jesus is God with us. And also the other idea of Jesus is the beginning. Everything starts with him. So let's have a look at, this, at this, these first few verses. It says, in the beginning was a word. This is, he's talking about Jesus. So whenever he says a word, it's, it's Jesus. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So this is a different story, or the same story, explained in a, in a different way to my friend, the scientist, talking about the, the creation of the universe. What he's saying is, in the beginning was God, and God was in relationship with himself, a loving relationship, and he chose to start things off. And through him, he started creating things. And how he did it, it doesn't really matter. But he started creating things because he wanted to expand his love. He wanted to have other beings to love as well. And that's how he ended up creating us. And then the... the um, the Bible continues and he says, he was in this world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own and his own did not receive him. And this is the story of humanity, our sort of stubbornness to say, you might be there, but I'm not going to give you any chance to meet with me. That's, that's the story of the whole of the Old Testament is God's people coming back and forth, like they'd go and go on their own ways and discard God and say, we don't care about anything you have to say, we'll just kind of uh, live as, you, as if you don't exist, and God coming back, and, and they get into real big messes, and God comes back and comes and loves them and shows them his love, and they're like, oh, actually there is a God who loves us and is with us, and they reconnect, and then they kind of go astray again, and then he comes back, and comes back again, and, and this, this beautiful image in, uh, in one of the prophets saying like, they leave and I always come back. It's like, like nearly God is this like hopeless romantic trying to like once and again conquer the heart of, of his people. Once again, they leave and once again, he comes to rescue them. And that's the whole story of the Bible, actually. And if you think of it, that's the whole story of humankind. It's uh, a God who created and wanted relationship with his people. And his people who kind of suddenly say, no, no, we can't live without you. And then they realize, oh, no, actually, there is goodness here. And they reconnect. And then they go and then they reconnect. And that might be also how you feel your life might have been. But if, but if you look at the whole kind of history of, of mankind, there's this back and forth of humankind connecting with God and disconnecting, and a God who's always 
going the extra mile to try and connect with them, always trying to bring something new so that people's eyes are opened again and they can say, oh, actually, there is a God who loves me. There is a God who created the universe who wants to connect with me. And at the end of the passage, we see this bit. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born on God, of God. And this is the, the beauty of, of what Jesus came to do. It's, it's the beauty is that he's come to invite us to a relationship, but he won't force himself. He won't say, you have to come to me. You, you're forced to do it. It's a, it's a loving relationship where, in a way, he, he sort of conquers our heart, but we have to choose to step in and say, yes, I want to follow you. Yes, I want to connect with you. Yes, I want to have this beautiful relationship with you. And as I was reflecting on, on the, this passage, I, I was remembering another passage and some of the things Jesus says, because when we talk about love, we think of like... Uh, a love song, don't we think about this kind of pop star uh, singing a love song, a 25-year-old who's kind of singing this like mellow song. And, and that's our kind of idea of, of love sometimes. It's this sort of more idealistically romantic thing. And, and even though that is the love that God has for us, his love is much more than that. It's a love that sort of takes risk, risks to save us. Um, in, in the Gospel of John, we'll find also that, um, that there's this point, and a lot of us will, will know a story. There's this woman who's caught in adultery, and these men who like, rightfully want to go because the law says they, they can stone her if, if she's committed adultery. And they're there ready to stone her. And Jesus goes and takes a risk, and he says he stands in between them and like, draws this line and, and stops them from doing it. And he's taking a massive risk. Because his love takes him to take this big risk where he, he could have just kind of stepped back and said, oh, I love you. Even though you're about to die and be stoned, I just want to say that I really love you and I appreciate you and I hope you, you do well. But he doesn't do that. He takes a risk. He puts a line in and he stops these guys and they could easily have kind of stoned him. And he takes a massive risk because he loves her, because he, he wants to defend her. And, and I think we... We have to sort of remember that that's the, the love that God has for us. It's a love that takes a massive risk. And we find in, in one of, one of uh, Paul's letters, he says this about Jesus. Who being, remember this is the same Jesus who created the whole universe. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in a human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's this kind of love that he has for us. It's love that gives himself to us. How many of you have watched the movie Taken? There's like three movies Taken. Liam Nielsen, really good. Like, I love a good shooting movie. And... Um, 
What, what, what I like about it is like, you've got this dad who seems like a very normal dad, and suddenly his, his daughter's captured, and suddenly he becomes a mixture between like Neo from Matrix, Star Wars, like he gets all the, all the qualities. He's a super ninja, he can fight like Rambo, he can shoot like James Bond. He's like suddenly this amazing guy, and he goes and it's quite funny, isn't he? He's like 30 guys, goes a pim, 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 and they're all dead. Um, and, uh, and it's really interesting, but, but actually, what you see there is, is this kind of, his daughter's been just taken captive. He's going to leave everything behind to go and save her. He's not going to sit back and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write her love letter. Okay, dear daughter, wherever you are being abused, I'm just going to... No, he's like, he leaves everything behind. He grabs whatever he has and he goes for it. And he doesn't care. The chances are like he's going to get killed in the middle of this. But he doesn't care because he loves his daughter and he'll go and do everything to rescue her. And that's a story... John is telling us about who Jesus is and who God is. That's the story of the Bible. It's, it's a God who leaves everything because he loves us so much to come and rescue us. That, that's the love that he has for us. So it's not just a little love letter. And if you're into love letters, fine, just do your love letters, that's right. But what God does for us is it's much more than that. It's, he leaves everything to come and rescue us. And that's the mission of God. And that's what we're looking at in John is how our God is a God, our God who is on a mission to capture our hearts, to reconnect with us. And he'll do everything to be able to do that. He'll come and, and visit us where we are. And that's the whole mission that God has been doing throughout history. He's always been there trying to reconnect with us in whatever way possible. And the beauty of the mission of God and uh, being part of his church is that we can join in with his mission. We can do our part as well. But we know at the end of the day, it's not our mission. It's his. And that's great, isn't it? Because then that's, that's a bit, we can sort of detach from it a bit. It's like God's on a mission to go and connect with people, to fight injustice, to, to set the captives free, to, to grab people who are in poverty and, and give them a, an identity and, and help them change their life. That's his mission. And all we are doing is we're invited to join in with what he's doing. We, we're not, it's not our mission. It's not up to us to accomplish certain goals. It's up to us to see, God, you're a mission. How can we connect? And his mission, part of his mission, is actually to connect with us. So uh, I'm just going to share a, a, a little video. Um, and this is, um, this is a song by a guy called Matt Redman. Um, and he, he mentions, in a bit of the song, he mentions the blood in, in sort of maybe Christian language, a blood is him giving his life for us. Uh, and that's why, and there's a, obviously a big connection with communion and, and drinking red wine. But, um, but when, when he talks about the blood, think about that. Uh, and what's, what I found really moving about this song is, he, sa- he shares his words. He says, creation is spitting in the face of its creator, but yet you give your life for us, and yet you come for us. What kind of love is this? So let's listen to uh, a bit of Matt Redman. They beat your brow. They mark your name. 
creation spit in the creator's face They took those hands that hold this world And pierced them through with condemnation's nails Chose to die a sinner's death. How sacred, how selfless, how precious. The blood, the blood, the blood, so gracious. It's outrageous. King Jesus, your love, your love, your love. What kind of love is this? Outrageous grace. And that's, that's a story of the universe. That's, that's our story. It's a God who just wants to come and meet with us. Uh, and a while back, uh, I share, shared a story, and, and there's a bit of an update, so I thought I'd share it again. And sorry if you've already heard this. Um, but uh, um, a friend of mine who uh, is, runs an orphanage, um, she... And she's, Lali, what's Lali? Are you here, Lali, somewhere around there? It's Lali's sister. Um, and um, so she, she runs an orphanage in Argentina, and she's run it for, uh, I think, around five years now. And um, when she arrived, uh, there was all girls, like 20 girls, and uh, suddenly they told her that uh, a boy and a girl, brother and sister, were joining the, the orphanage. And, um, and so, so she said, all right, this is like her first week, and... And she, she went to, to meet with them, and she went to speak with them. And uh, this little boy, who was uh, around 10 at the time, and he's, he'd been already like three or four years in, in, a, in an orphanage before, and they, they had to move in because uh, his, his mom, who was unwell, was sort of trying to visit his, the orphanage and trying to sort of bring him back home and creating lots of mess. And therefore, he was forced to move orphanages, which after being settled in a place, having to move is quite hard. And um, so, he, so he was coming to her orphanage, and um, they asked her, um, that she asked him, what, what, are you, what do you like? And he said, I like Spider-Man. And therefore, they, they went to, um, to her parents' garage to find um, some, some toys. So they had loads of toys and donations from different places. So for the girl and the boy who were coming in, they started looking, and after a while, they found a Spider-Man costume. And they said, oh, that's, this is great. Rafi, Rafi would love this, this costume because uh, he likes Spider-Man. So they gave him, like, the first day he came in, they gave him all the toys, all the gifts, and last to last, they, they had this uh, costume, Spider-Man costume, because they thought, oh, this is going to be the special one. And uh, when, when they got out the, the costume, they, they realized that it had something written, and it had written Rafi on the costume. And she gave it to him, and she was like, he was like, look, Rafi, it has your name. And he was like, oh, God knows me. He, like, he prepared this for me. Someone donated this like, sometime, and he brought it all together so that I would know who I am, I'd know that I'm loved, that I know my name. And he felt really special about that. And he, he recognized that after a, a, a life of heartbreak with parents uh, who, who weren't um, 
loving and where he had to go from orphanage, then suddenly he discovered a love that was real, a God who knew him by name, a bit like Alice. He knew him by name and was providing something for him. Uh, and that just, that f the fact that the very random only costume had that name and they didn't realize till that moment made him feel so special. And, and the update from that is he's been going to a church ever since and he's now 13, 14, more or less. Uh, and after, after three or four years of uh, being in the orphanage and being part of a church, he's, he's met families in the church and one family has decided to adopt him. So he's now going to move into a family uh, that's adopting him a family who's Christian who will be able to provide all those values where he'll be able to continue discovering uh, the love of Jesus. And I think that's, that's a, the, the mission of God. That's what God does. That's what he's all about. He's all about reconnecting with us. He's all about winning our hearts over. And even when we become stubborn, even when we like put some barriers, he's always going the extra mile just for us to feel loved. And that's the story of humankind. And that's the story of John. He says, I created the world and uh, I've been trying to reach out and reach out and reach out to the point where I decided I'll go on a cross and die for them just so that they know how much I love them, just so that they can reconnect with me. And that's God's mission. And he is the relentless lover. He'll just love us all the way through. And I think for us, the invitation is first to know that God's on a mission to conquer our hearts and maybe to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you a chance. Okay, God, I'm going to soften up and say, I'm going to try and get to know you better. But also to say, if, if we are on a mission with God, to say he is the owner of the mission. He is almighty, he is powerful, he is loving, he's kind, he's the one who goes before us. And therefore maybe we, we can relax and trust and just join in with what he's doing. And throughout the gospel we'll see glimpses of what it means when God's kingdom comes in and how he brings this kind of restoration and healing and transformation in people's lives. And I hope as, as his church, as people who choose to follow him, that we'll say, look, God, you're on a mission and there's nothing like being on a mission with you. There's nothing like connecting with what you're doing. Isn't it super life-giving when you're doing something of God in your life, when you have this uh, a deep conversation about God with someone, where you're fighting injustice, when you're uh, seeing, helping someone in need? Isn't this something in you that comes alive? When we do that, that's because that's who our God is, and that's what we are create, what we were created for. And that's why we come alive when we are doing the mission of God, when we are partnering with God in mission. And at the end of the day, and I'll finish with this, if the band can come up, this is what John 1.5 says, and the light shines in the darkness, and the light is the presence of God, it's God in our midst, and the darkness has not overcome it. And there's been so much darkness in our world, and there is so much darkness, but the darkness can never overcome the presence of the creator of the universe coming to work in our midst. So I'm going to invite you to stand and respond in worship, and maybe just think, or maybe just say, look, God, you've... you've please stand. Um, and, and maybe just say, God... You are on a mission to conquer my heart and I want to let you conquer it. Or you might want to say, I want to join in, in mission with you and do whatever you call me to do. Let's pray. God, you are 
an amazing God. You are a God who draws near to us, who calls us by name, who loves us as we are. And we want to give you the chance to conquer our hearts again. And we want to join in with what you're doing in the world. Let us not be passive, but actually join in with your mission, knowing that it's yours, but we get the honor and privilege of doing a little part as well. Amen.